0: that is www.worldovercomers.church podcast. Enjoy the message.
1: Uh, amen. You may be seated in the name of the Lord. Cotton picking in the kingdom. If I can draw your attention to the very end of Matthew chapter 6 the verses we read and the very beginning of the Matthew 21 passage. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. So what do you think? What do you think? What is going on in your head right now, Sunday morning, eleven ten. 10, maybe you're watching this at another time. I don't know what it is, but what exactly is happening in your mind right now? It's a very interesting thing. The Bible says, as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. It's an interesting thing. There's a part of me kind of halfway wish that I could read minds, and then there's a big part of me that's glad I can't you could read minds nobody be married if you could read minds nobody' would have a good relationship if you could read minds nobody would have would be a good friend if you there, there, there's there, the, the idea of what is in your mind and what do you think you know who can read your mind you you of course God knows your thoughts the Bible says that the Lord knows your thoughts are far off but But you are able to read your mind. And the question is, what do you think? I wonder if you ever asked somebody, what were you thinking? I wonder if you've ever asked a child, what were you thinking? I wonder if you've ever asked a teenager, what were you thinking? I wonder if you ever asked a friend, what were you thinking? I wonder if you've ever looked back in your own life and asked yourself, what was I thinking? What was going on in my mind? Not just how was I praising, not just how was I churching, not just what was I doing. What was I thinking because my thoughts led to my actions. And as great as it is to praise, at some point, and I want you to praise, and we came to praise. But when you get done praising, you better start thinking. Because as you think is how you are. What do you think? It's a question that religious leaders don't ask a lot. A lot of what we do and what we've been taught to do is tell you what to think. And to predict for you what to think and to break everything down to you and to tell you what to think in a determination to control your relationship with God. But that's not really the job. The job of the clergy is to lead you into a relationship with God for yourself. I had an interesting conversation with a young man this past week and he was trying to tell me that oh god and maybe it's the universe and maybe it's this maybe it's that when he got done i said well i don't know if you think god's the universe i don't know but i know him to be a person i know him to be a personality i know him to be a voice i know him to be alive i know him to be somebody that talks to me i know him to be somebody that has led me places i would not be without his direction i I serve a living Savior. He's in the world today. That's old school. I know that he's living whatever men may see, whatever men may say, I... See his hand of mercy. I hear his voice of cheer. At just the time I need him, he's always near. Wish I had some church folk in here with me. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me. He talks with me along life's narrow way. Don't give in to the idea that there's just some great big cosmic energy. Because the Father said, you will find me when you search for me with all of your heart. And when you search for him with all of your heart, you know one of the things he's going to ask you? He's going to ask you, what do you think? Jesus is in the earth, and instead of being like the Pharisees or the Sadducees, he says to them, well, what do you think? Part of this is based on a question they ask him about his authority. Because Jesus is doing all kinds of miraculous things. And the Pharisees and the Sadducees said to him, by whose authority do you do the stuff that you do? It's very interesting how when you start doing what you do, folk want to know why you're able to do what you do. Folk want to know why you're able to act the way you act. Folk want to know why you're able to be the way you are. And Jesus' answer to them is, well, let me ask y'all a question. John's baptism, where did it come from? John's baptism, where did it come from? And it made them come together and have a conversation because they didn't know exactly what to say because they knew that if they, if, they, if they said John's baptism was from God, then Jesus would have said, well, then why didn't you believe in him? But if they said that John's baptism was not from God and John's baptism was a baptism of repentance, And repentance means change. Repentance means metanao. Repentance means change your mind. John's baptism was about getting in the water one way and leaving another way. John's baptism was a symbol that the way that you have been thinking is not the way to think. You need to adopt a new perspective about your life. And the way you're going to do that is get into this water and come out. So they were afraid because they knew that they had rejected John's baptism because they were so stuck theologically that they were not able to change their theological perspective even if it was faulty. My God, just got started and I'm walking heavy already. What I'm saying is some of the hardest people to get to change their mind is church people. Because we just think we know and we've been raised a certain way and we did church a certain way. Now here comes John and John is leading the way for the Messiah who is going to forever change the way that religion is done. He is baptizing people in a baptism of repentance, meaning he's saying to them, the way y'all have been doing things does not work. So now I'm going to take you down under the water. When you come out, you are now going to be preparing for the Messiah who's going to baptize you with fire. And they rejected his baptism because change is hard to do. Especially when you're in a system that is dependent on your current thought because it's how you survive. So when Jesus says to them, well, 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 John's baptism, where did it come from? And they say, well, they couldn't say not from God. They they could say, if they say from God, then, then he'll say, well, why didn't you follow? And if they say he's not from God, then the people will be angry because they consider John the Baptist a prophet. So their answer was, we don't know. Sometimes when people say they don't know, it's not that they don't know. It's just that they know that if they give the answer that they should give, it's going to get them in trouble. Let me move on. What I'm saying to you is Jesus says to them, oh, all right, well, what do you think? and poses a question that I'd like to pose to us this morning and I'd like us to analyze it for just a minute. And the question I'm starting this little presentation off is, well, what do you think? And then Jesus lays out a scenario, a parable, to get them to analyze their thinking. I would like to present this parable To analyze our thinking. I would like my part of the sermon to be my part of the service to be a moment in which we can analyze our thinking. Is that all right? Jesus lays out a story and he says, Well, what do you think? A a father had two sons. He says to the first son, go work in my vineyard. The first son says, I'm not going. (laughs) But then later he changes his mind and goes. He goes to his second son. He says to his second son, go work in my vineyard. The second son says, you got it. I, I absolutely will be there, sir. And then did not go. Jesus says, who did right? What was more important, talks or deeds? What mattered more, what you said or what you did? Oh, this is an important question for us to analyze for just a second. I, I, I'm glad you're quiet because I want you to think for just a minute because there is a great debate over what's more important. What you say or what you do. Some people feel like talking is enough. Some people feel like deeds is enough. Jesus says to them, what's the bigger thing to do? Now, when I look at the passage, I can't help but see that it seems to me that the first son, who's the older son, and so it says to me that maturity might speak wrong but does right if you in here and you the oldest I happen to be the oldest of eight children and so I can feel a certain kind of way being the oldest and certainly being the oldest being the responsible one sometimes your mouth gets you in trouble and you end up saying stuff that might almost get you knocked out but you were taught right and so even if your mouth was wrong for a minute Your deeds lined up. The first son said, nah, I'm not going. But later changes his mind and goes. The second son knows all the flowery speech. You got it, sir. Put a sir in there just to sound respectful because babies know how to sound respectful and then still do whatever they want to do. We'll just leave that. Babies know how to butter you up and look like they obedient, but in their heart they know they ain't going to do what you want them to do. Babies like to ask for forgiveness, not permission. Second son says, you got it. I'm on my way, but doesn't go. Jesus says, well, who did right? Who was it that did the right thing? And they say, the first. And then Jesus says, wow, it's amazing that you all are able to see that. Because (laughs) what has happened is that the tax collectors... And the harlots, the, ho- the, the, the prostitutes, the ho- the, that what they have done is they have leapfrogged y'all in their actions. They have showed you that maybe you church folk are just talk. Now you think that you something because you in church. You think you something because you're watching church and you want to wear your spirituality like a mantle and feel yourself because you said hallelujah, <laughs> and because you know how to wave, it's like <laughs> and because you speak in another language, tie tie, he's coming in a Honda because you know how to do that. You think that that talk gets you kingdom. Meanwhile, tax collectors, prostitutes, meaning the folk that you would not ever think would get blessed, end up getting blessed because they realize that this church thing is about talking, but this kingdom thing is about doing. Oh, I need a worship in here. I need somebody to clap with me and let me know that I'm in the right room right now. Talk is awesome, but it's cheap. You can talk in church all you want. If you say amen in here, I'll love you a lot. You nod and look like it. I will will think you're amazing if you say amen because I'm a black preacher and I like people to talk back to me. But after you get done saying amen, amen means so let it be. Amen means, all right. Now I got to do something different. And unfortunately for us, especially folk that look like us, we were taught talk church more than do kingdom. Now, some of that wasn't our fault because the kingdom wasn't available to us because we were permanent second class, third class, fourth class citizens. We were brought here to do the work and we were enslaved. And so no one was trying to really give us anything that looked anything like kingdom. So they just let us sing good and we sang real good. Even though the Bible says, how can we sing when we're in a strange land? But did nobody sing like the slaves? Don't nobody sing gospel music like black people? can nobody make you feel God from their voice like black people? Don't nobody make you feel like you feel in a service like us. And it's what we were taught to do. We were taught to let church be our drug. No, I need a witness in the building. It's how we got through. It's how your grandmama got through. It's how your great-grandmama got through. It's how they made it over. They said, soon I will be done with the troubles of this world. Oh, troubles of this world. Oh, troubles of this world. I soon I will be done with the troubles of this world. I'm going home to live with God. Because the only kingdom available to them was the heavenly kingdom. Please talk to me. Heaven was what was promised to them. While everybody else got Canaan, they got heaven. Everybody else was allowed to take the Bible or the principles or the word or the kingdom and apply it to their life and live a life they enjoyed. Everybody else was allowed to go from glory to glory. We were made to go from hell to hope. And I'm not just talking about it because I'm upset about it because I'm over it. I'm upset about it because we are still, if we're not careful, we will stay stuck in a pattern of church that don't work. So, beloved, I know, I know, I know, I know my job is to exegete passage and preach the gospel, and I got you. But I want to show you something in this parable that bothers me, that ought to bother you. And if I make you bothered, sorry, but I'm bothered. Because there's something in this passage that we don't even see. And it's this I'm laid out for you ready be ready to be upset be ready to have a small little attitude Here it is <laughs> It's a kingdom thought not a church thought Everyone that's ever ministered this passage to me only members minister to it to, to me in a church way I want to minister to it it, it to you in a kingdom way and the kingdom thought is, the father had a vineyard. The father had a vineyard. It, it almost just goes over our head. It, 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 the father had a vineyard. <laughs> what it means is, the father goes to his son and says to his son, I want you to come work For us. I want you. To work. In my vineyard. I want you. To work. In my business. I want you. To work. In the thing. That is ours. I don't want you. To go out there. And work for somebody else. I want you. To work for what. We got here. If you're gonna pick cotton, at least pick your own. If you're gonna pick cotton, at least own the field. Did you know that cotton was one of the leading exports? In the United States, did you know that cotton is what made America a global superpower? Do you know that at one point, cotton was almost 70%. We supplied the world about 70% of its cotton. Did you know that during slavery, there were more millionaires in Mississippi per capita than almost any place else because cotton and your great-great-grandparents who picked it made them southern slave holders rich your people did the work and they reaped the benefit and america became a global financial economic superpower because of cotton And the main thing that slaves did was pick cotton. That's why they said you are cotton picking. uh, Because cotton picking was what you did. And my question to you right now is. Who do you work for? They may pay you well. But you are picking the cotton though. Are you still cotton picking in the kingdom? So. You don't have your own vineyard yet? You don't have your own dream. You don't have your own plan. You don't have your own idea. You don't have something in yourself. You want your children to be a cotton picker like you have to be? Is that what you want? Or do you deep down in yourself have a vision for your own vineyard? Do you think that maybe you might be able to say to your son, Come work in my vineyard? I'm going to make everybody clap for that because it's a point. Did you know that that was how America worked? That's how it used to work. The way it used to work was your family had a business. Your family had a business. If you had to go work for someone else's business, that meant you were an orphan. You were poor. Maybe even a bastard. The reason why the name bastard began to have negative connotations is because when you are born in a family, you have access to a business. Your last name is Miller because y'all are Millers. Your last name is Appleton because y'all have an apple orchard. That's what you do. Nobody sent their kids out to school. I don't know why it's this quiet in here. Maybe you didn't notice. Nobody sends their kids out to school. That happened with the industrial age. When now they got to figure out what to do with your kids while you're working for them. No, no, no. What happened was you had an apple orchard. Your family sold apples. Your family did blacksmith. Your family owned this. Your family were farmers. Your last name was Farmer because they all was a farmer. And you brought people in to teach your children. But you didn't let your children that far from you because your son needed to learn the apple orchard business. Now, if you were born outside of wedlock, and it happened a lot, then, in essence, you didn't have access to the rights to work for the family. And so now you might end up having to thieve or steal or rob or be cutthroat or maybe join in the army or go apprentice yourself to someone else. And that's why the name started to have negative connotations. You don't have to have that no more because it don't matter how you got here. God decided to send you, and you're here on a purpose, and you can turn the whole thing around. It's not how the system works anymore. But my point is, is, but yet and still, we need to understand how it used to be. I was having a conversation with my son, and we were talking about purpose, and I was saying to him, I was explaining this to him, and I was saying to him, yeah, one of the byproducts of freedom is confusion. Because inevitably what happened is some son didn't want to take over the apple orchard business. He wanted to do something else. And so we decided as a society, as a culture, as a country, it's not fair. And your whole life shouldn't be decided for you. And just because your daddy's a dentist don't mean you have to be a dentist. And just because your daddy's a doctor don't mean you have to be a doctor. And just because your daddy's a blacksmith don't mean you have to be a blacksmith. And just because your daddy owns trains don't mean you have to own trains. And now we're going to just break it all wide open and you can go be whatever you want to be. And then Barney came along and told you that you were special. You are special. You're the only one. You're the only one like you. There is no other in the whole wide world that could do the things you do because you are special. Special. He y'all singing it? Everyone in his or her own way. You're so special until you get a little older and you realize. I ain't as specialist, Barney told you you were <laughs> am I the only one that found that out <laughs> but now I understand it in the determination to not be overly directed we decided no 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 we're going to let everybody make their own choices didn't used to be that way There was a time when you had no choices. You did what the family did. That was your job. That was your life. That's who you were. If you was a woman, you didn't have no choices. If you are a woman, in essence, you were a commodity to be traded to, for property. It's thanks be to God that we're set free from that, and that's awesome. But a byproduct of that freedom is a generation that is lost, that has no direction and no idea with what to do next. As a matter of fact, we now have decided that at the ripe old age of six, you can decide what you even are. Because you're so seasoned at six years old that you can decide if you're a boy or a girl. You're so wise at eight that you could know you're gay. You are so smart at seven that you can decide it, it is a scary moment. And I understand where it comes from. It is a byproduct of the determination to offer freedom. But in our freedom, let's not lose purpose. Gentlemen, might I suggest that you get a vineyard? Might I suggest that you have an assumption that your child's going to work in your vineyard? Might I suggest that it's not a smart thing to make your children pull themselves up by their own bootstraps? Might I suggest that it takes more than one generation to create wealth? Might I suggest that that is slave thought? Might I suggest that if you're an accountant, you might want to start off with the assumption that maybe your son is going to do some accounting. And if he shows you that he has an ability in another area, then you will support that. But you can't just give everybody a blank slate.
0: If this message has blessed or encouraged you, feel free to visit www.worldovercomers.church podcast and learn more about WOCC or donate to the ministry. This enables us to continue to impact the kingdom in the best way possible.
1: Might I suggest, if you are a nurse and if you are a doctor and you have a, you're a woman, you're a daughter, you have children, might I suggest that you start with an assumption that they'll be like you. What's wrong with that? What's wrong with assuming that your children will be Christians? Muslims assume that their children will be Muslims. Jews assume that their children will be Jews. Buddhists assume that their children will be Buddhists. But we the only one who want to be free and let our children decide whether or not they gonna be Christians or not. Let's not get this twisted. I know I said a couple of weeks ago I let my children decide if they're coming to church. I let them decide now. They're twenty-two. I'm making them, I'm waking them up at 22, making them go to church. But when they were eight, I wish I had a witness in the building. They said, in Jesus' name, they prayed over their food. I need a worship. They better say hallelujah. They was on the children's choir, and they better act right, or they're going to get in trouble. They weren't allowed to lie. They weren't allowed to steal. They certainly weren't allowed to take the Lord's name in vain. You got popped if you said Jesus Christ, your mama would pop you. Matter of fact, my mama got on us so much about saying Jesus Christ that we started adding stuff to it like help me. <laughs> Jesus Christ, help me. Jesus Christ. We see her, we say, My Lord. That's what we used to do. Because you weren't allowed to say his name in vain. I wish I had a witness. I wish I had a witness. There was a way that they wanted you to be. They had an expectation. What is wrong with having an expectation? Ladies, gentlemen, what is wrong with you having an expectation? What is wrong with you going to your child and saying, Why don't you work in my vineyard? Because I got a vineyard. I got something I'm trying to get us to do, I got something I'm trying to get to grow exponentially. Yeah, I got my job, but I also got this vineyard that I'm planting, and I am believing that maybe in this next generation, it may never be able to support me, but it may be able to support you, and you may not have to pick cotton for anybody else besides yourself. I'm going to speak that over the whole room in the name of Jesus. I'm going to speak that your child won't have to get their resume together. Because they will have land and property and wealth and their own vineyard that you started that they now can work in, and what will make sense might be for them in the beginning to say, "I ain't doing it," but then for them to change their mind and go. Woo-hoo. I'm all the way down in this and not even, I'm I'm stuck again. I just, I want to challenge you. What I'm saying to you is that when you look at the Bible, you can't just see it in a church way. I want you to see it in a kingdom way. Because Jesus came talking about kingdom. Now, I know that when you were taught kingdom, you was taught kingdom of heaven. I, I got you. But what I'm talking about when I'm talking about kingdom is I'm talking about the kingdom of God. And the kingdom of God alludes to God's plan on the earth. God's earth plan is called Kingdom. Our job in the church is to introduce you to kingdom. When Jesus taught his disciples to pray, he taught them, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Meaning that when he said kingdom, he ain't talking about heaven. He's saying, let your kingdom come on the earth so that it can be reflected by what you want in heaven. So, I know that when you've been taught the Lord's Prayer, me too, we were all taught it just as a church function. Got you. Hear you. Me too. And I pray it. But when I look at the Lord's Prayer, I really see kingdom principles. When I look at the Lord's Prayer, I actually see a way for kingdom to be established. When I look at the Lord's Prayer, I actually see hints and suggestions for you to break out of picking cotton for others and for you to work for yourself. I'll show it to you right there in the passage in Matthew chapter 6. I'm running out of time, but I'm going to share them with you. In Matthew chapter 6, in verse 7, Jesus says, And when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Therefore, do not be like them. So right off the bat in the beginning, the start of it is the Lord is saying... (laughs) What's your plan? What's your plan? You won't be successful in vain repetitions. Meaning, (laughs) we can't be successful (laughs) if we just keep repeating exercises that are done in vain. I know we apply it to prayer, Pastor. I know we apply it to prayer, Elder Paul. But I'm saying, if the Lord is saying that you shouldn't be involved in vain repetition in prayer, it might make sense for you to realize that vain repetition don't get you nowhere. You can't do 2023 the way you did 2022 if 2022 didn't work. You can't do your new relationship like your last one if the last one didn't work. This is a vain repetition. You have to figure out what you're going to do that's unique. If you're going to offer a good or a service, then you want to offer a good or a service that isn't a vain repetition. You don't want to buy a business that's similar to the business that failed in the same location. So there was a chicken place there, and it failed. Now you're going to buy it, and you're going to put a chicken place there because they ain't taste your chicken. That's a vain repetition. And what's more is you need to be careful that you aren't copying people who what they did never worked. Oh Lord help me Holy Ghost. I know we only apply this to prayer but can I apply it to life? Don't tell me lessons you learn from some loser. Why would you take swimming lessons from drowning people? Well, this is what my daddy taught me. Did your daddy have property? No. Then why are we talking about him? Honor him for where he was. But don't you want more than that for yourself? Are you really going to be involved in vain repetition? What is your plan? What is God saying to you? What are you going to do and offer that is different and unique and special? You working for a company? You want to step out and do your own thing? Awesome. But you're going to have to offer more than what they offer. You can't just do exactly what they do or you'll be in competition with them. You're now going to have to have a business plan that's got some extras in it. So that you now can compete with them for your clients. Because vain repetition doesn't make you successful. So right in the beginning of the prayer, before he even starts to talk about the prayer, I see something that is a kingdom idea and not just a church idea. Do y'all see that? Am I by myself? Then in the beginning of the prayer, he says, our Father. So right off the bat, it's our power. It's our power power, if anybody ought to understand the, the, the devastation of a lack of our power, it ought to be us, people that look like me and you, because what has happened is that we have been divided against one another. We have actually been taught to hate somebody that looks like us. There's almost nothing as devastating as a man beaten, beat to death by the police. But it's even worse if he's beat to death by the police who look like him. (laughs) Gentlemen, what is wrong with us that we want to kill one another? What did they teach us? What did they fill us with? A lack of trust and a hate for one another. We're scared to do business with one another. Yes, we deal dealing with reverse racism. We start thinking that it must be better because it's white. It must be better because it's not like us. And we start feeling like we're really doing something if we're doing business with them. And we'll overlook doing business with us because they have taught us to hate us. They have taught us not to bank with each other. They have taught us not to live with one another. They have taught us not to have communities with each other. I'm talking square business, somebody in here. Everybody else come here and live with one another but us. The only time we live with one another is when we're broke and poor and in the projects. But the devil is a liar. We got to be about our own communities because as long as we are divided, we will never conquer. I don't care how much praying we do. I don't care how much Jesus we got. If we don't back one another, we will forever be a permanent underclass in this country. I'm preaching to somebody beside myself. There is nothing as disheartening, son. You have a son, I have a son. I got to teach my son to be afraid of cops that don't look like him. I now got to teach him to be afraid of cops that look like him. (laughs) Gentlemen, what is wrong with us? Why is everybody else look out for each other but us? Why can't we hook one another up? Why can't we look out for one another? Why, Why can't we open up doors for one another? No, we just want to be Esther. We just want to get out of the slums and live in the palace and feel okay. We want to leave our brothers in the field. And we want to take our wealth and take our money and go to white churches and just start to be all connected and all mixed in. And we want to just act like, oh, we can be with him now. Yeah, I said it. I'm sorry, but the black dollar needs to stay in the black community. I wish I, wish I had a witness in the building. I'll be all right about racial reconciliation when it's all fair. Hello. What I'm saying to you is, beloved, if we can't figure out who we us with, who we our with, if we can't get our our power together, if we can't get unity, if we can't get agreement, you won't win if you divide it against yourself. You won't win if you sleeping with your enemy. You won't win if you take your haters with you so they can stab you in the back. You won't win if you are so lacking in self-esteem that you need the love of your oppressor. We won't win. We just won't win. We will continue down the path of destruction that we find ourselves currently on. Where is our power? It's so funny how everybody else is allowed to be about each other but us. I ain't scared no more. I find myself to be a black man. I'm going to talk to black people. Is that all right? Is it okay? If I was Chinese, I'd be preaching to Chinese people. Hello. Hello. Somehow we've been made to feel bad about racial division when they only do it when it's advantageous to them. What about our power? What about our fellowship? What about team play? That's why football is such an awesome sport, because there's 11 of, y'all, 11 of y'all out there. you got to talk to each other. You, got, you can't do it by yourself. Okay, how good you are. At some point, you will have to figure out who's on your side. Can I tell you one of the most valuable lessons to learn? This is from somebody in their 50s. One of the most important things for you to learn is who is for you and who is not for you. I'm going to speak that right now over everybody in the room. I know you're mad that they betrayed you, but they did it at the right time, because they did it before God was about to bless you. You would have took them with you if they hadn't shown you where their real colors were. At some point, you gotta figure out who is for you. And I speak to the principality over our people that we can't be for one another. He says, our father, our father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. (laughs) The third thing I see is father power or source power. The question is, what is the source? The question is, what is your inspiration? The question is, who is your daddy? What did you come from? Who did you come from? Where did you come from? Is the source high? Or is the inspiration high? Who are you comparing your product to? What, does, what is the thing that inspires you? We're all so focused on the finished product without asking ourselves, what's the seed? This is a hard word, especially for me, because I've learned through these years in life that I can't be mad at lemons on a tree if I planted lemon seed. There's a whole lot of us, I know I'm not by myself, that are lips puckered over lemon fruit because we planted lemon seed. And we're upset about our results without focusing on the fact that if we don't get the source together, we'll never have the fruit. Our Father who are in heaven, our Father who is higher, our Father where the thing is coming down. Download to us what your plan is for us. Give us a dream. Give us a vision. When the Bible said in the last days he would pour out his spirit on all flesh and sons and daughters would prophesy and there would be dreams and visions. You think that that just means to prophesy in church? No. No, I'm praying that God will download you a plan, that God will download you some inspiration, that God will download you a vision, that God will speak to you in the night season, that you will have a wisdom that you could not have otherwise. I'm praying that the Lord will speak to you and say, buy that, buy that, buy that, buy that. I'm believing that the Holy Ghost will speak to you and say, sell that, sell that, sell that, sell I'm believing that your prophetic word will be kingdom. And that you will realize that the job is to pray, may your kingdom come and your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. And give us this day our daily bread fill our lives with purpose in the earth not just promises in the heavens i'm not done but i'm gonna stop there put your hands together if you heard a word from the lord this morning come on praise the lord can i get you to give this is our building fund offering and it's our second offering We've been taking up this building fund offering for the building fund. And so if you need an offering envelope, you can simply raise your hand. One of the gatekeepers will come to and give it to you. There is a QR code. You can take a picture of that QR code. You're watching live around the world. We need you to give. You're watching live around the area. We need you to give. We need you to sow. Your tithe belongs to God. And then your offering is your generosity above and beyond your tithe. We are on our way this Wednesday. We're going to have this war council, and we're going to talk about where we're going. We got this land, and we're going to talk. I'm going to give you some details and some specifics about what's next for us for this victory park this thing that we're building and it's more than just a church it's going to have our church building in it but it's it's going to be a place where there's counseling and there's courts and and tournaments that happen there and soccer fields on the outside and economic development incubator stuff on the inside and ways for men and and women to to get access to decent work and economic growth and it's just going to be a way for us to lift up our community not just the church. Amen. Because I think that the job of the church is to lead to kingdom. The job of the church is not just to think about yourself to not think that you've come to the kingdom for just such a time as this. You can't just be raised in Pharaoh's house and stay in Pharaoh's house while the rest of the Hebrews are slaves. You have to realize, okay, let me give, let me sow, let me tithe. I want you to know where we're going is three miles away from here in this community. This community is where we're going to continue to minister. I know we're a triangle church and folks come from all over, but where we're about to set up our main headquarters is in our community. We want to impact gangs. We want to impact young black men. We want to impact young black women. We want to do it. We don't want to let anybody else do it. We want to do it. I'm going to speak my vision. We want them to walk in and get vision. We want them to come to play sports and end up meeting with a guidance counselor and finding a way to get a scholarship and finding a way to start their own business. We want to make connections. We want to reverse Recidivism. We want to be aware of what is happening to our people. That's what I'm building. I'm not just trying to build a church, I'm trying to build something that will impact the community and ultimately impact our people. I need you to help me to do it. And it's what happens. When you're faithful, it's what happens when you serve. It's what happens when you go to a black church. When you sow, you're sowing into your own self, you're sowing into your own community, you're sowing into your own people. The stakes are too high for that not to happen. We're not doing well enough. For our tithe and offering to not be in with us. Just not the time for it. Not while we're still being killed in the street. It's just not the time for it. Maybe there will be a time for it, millennials and Zs, but this is not the time. This is a time, beloved, for us to come together. To worship together. To praise together. To give together to tithe together, to give an offering together, to take responsibility for the men that look like us, gentlemen. For us to take responsibility for the men that look like us. I don't want them to have to go to nobody else to take responsibility for them. I want us to speak to us. Is that all right? Can we do that together? That's what I wanna do. We're here in this building that we lease. This lease is about up and we're working it out, see what's gonna happen. But you come on Wednesday and we're gonna share with you. But this is the offering. All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you for an opportunity that we have to give. Thank you for an opportunity that we have to tie. Thank you for an opportunity that we have to give in this offering. And Lord, we surrender. our lives to you, will and to your way. And you said that you would make us rich so that we can be generous on every occasion. And so, Lord, we are determined to be generous on every occasion. And this is an opportunity for us to be generous. So bless us. Bless your people. coming and going. As we lay out the vision, this Wednesday night, 7 p.m., as we lay it out, God, I pray that you will bless your people exponentially as we take steps towards conquest to not just be blessed but to be a blessing. You said you'd make our name great and we're taking you at your word. Have your way in us. Kingdom of God come. Will of God be done in Jesus name. We all sit together. God bless you as you give. As the bucket passes you just sit tight for just a second. I know that we're a lot of folks in here and so excited everybody's coming back to church it's so wonderful keep coming and uh, we're talking about adding a second service again probably somewhere around easter we'll let you know that and uh listen the there i saw in the bulletin today that we've been offering this premarital class so far we've already got i think tony said 40 couples or more that have already registered for this next premarital class that's going to start on March 1st, premarital class, okay? And listen, beloved, if if you're already married, you never got any premarital counseling, you can be a part of this premarital class. It doesn't just have to be people who are planning on getting married. It also can be people who have been married for a year or two or three or four or five. You can come to this premarital class. You can register to be a part of it. You're watching live around the world. You can register to be a part in the area. You can register to be a part of this premarital class. We haven't said this yet, but I'm saying it now. I'm going to teach it. So if you are planning on getting married, if you think you're about to get married, if you're considering marriage, if it's something you're about to do, we, we, there's seven premarital counseling sessions, and that's what is required for any of the clergy to marry you here, and so we're offering that, and so that's in your bulletin, but I mean, it's not in the bulletin that I'm going to teach it, but I am going to teach it, and, um, and so if you're already married, then you can come, if you're living together, then you should come. I mean, we're living together, but I'm scared of marriage. Dude, if you're living with a woman, you're married. For all intents and purposes. No, he ain't. I got you. But still, come. I'm going to break it down. Share some things with you. I'm going to share some things I've never shared before. New stuff. I'm rewriting the whole thing. So, you can be a part of it. Amen. All right, jump on your feet. Y'all heard a word today. Lord, help us, Holy Ghost. Y'all pray for me. Come on, let's pray. Lord, we just want to thank you and praise you and honor you for an opportunity we had to come together. Thank you for the football team that was with us. Thank you for every man in the room. Thank you for all of our children. Thank you for every woman, every king in the room, every queen in the room. Thank you, Lord God, for all of our seed. Thank you that you make all of our plans succeed. You said you'd bless our basket and our store. And so, God, as we're preparing to plant a vineyard, God, as we're preparing to get dreams and visions, speak to us in the night season and we'll praise you. Dismiss us from this place, but never from your presence. For those of us in the room, for those of us watching around the world, lead us and guide us into truth. Use us for your glory. And as we always pray, bless your people. Make your face shine upon your people. Be gracious to your people and give them peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Football team can go back in that fellowship hall. God bless you. Greet somebody in the name of the Lord. Give somebody a pound or something. Holy hug. High five.
0: Something. Hopefully you were blessed and encouraged by this message. Visit www dot worldovercomers dot church slash podcast for more information on WOCC and events that are coming up. Maybe we are coming to your area soon. God bless.